Hey, this is Jeremiah Latimo, and this is Gates of Perception. The totality of the universe is it's just perception. And uh, it's how we perceive things. And uh, there are no facts, only interpretations. The, the psychical events are facts, are realities. And when you observe the stream of images within, you observe an aspect of the world, of the world within. And so, you see, the man who is going by the external world, by the influences of the external world, say, society or perceptions, sense perceptions, thinks that he, he is more valid. Don't relate yourself to any person, anything, any idea. Tell me. So it's been a while since my last podcast episode, and that is due to me discovering new avenues, even feeling more comfortable with new avenues of expressing my gifts, expressing my message. And through that process, I've definitely neglected this podcast. I've definitely neglected this platform. And with the encouragement of the people around me, uh, especially my partner, I'm definitely getting back and sharing episodes and developing and recording episodes every week. So please look forward to that. But um, all that being said, I'm titling this season two and because some of the things I will be discussing will be a little different from what I was discussing before and what I now call season one. Um, I even changed the category of my podcast from religion and spirituality to society and culture because that's something I really want to focus in on more, um, how we see ourselves within this through this lens of society and um, cultural programming and how that influences both men and women. What I'm going to be discussing today is around rejection and from my experience as a man how I've processed that experience and how that relates to other men's experience but also how that also relates to a woman's experience so uh, let's jump into it so what I'm focusing in on is the inability to process rejection the reason I find this very important to discuss and unpack and for men to listen but also for women to listen as well is that when a man, and I've known myself, also have this issue, when a man has a inability to process rejection, when a man has a difficulty coping with that experience or even just accepting that it just happened or it has happened, we as men tend to develop a lot of what would be seen as toxic or misguided or unguided expressions of masculinity we take on a more shadow side of masculinity and that leads us to harm women that leads us to be unsafe to women and leads us to just be unhealthy to ourselves because when we are incapable of processing rejection we avoid a lot of things about ourselves and we also compensate in a lot of different ways to hide what's underneath this inability to cope with rejection, which from my observation and the end of this conversation, at the end of this podcast, you'll also be able to see that beneath all of that is a very, very low self-esteem, a man with a very fragile sense of worth, a man with a very fragile ego, but the fragility of a man's ego is centered around his inability to really 
process and sit with rejection, right? He doesn't know how to process his own emotions. He doesn't make space to feel them. So when a woman tells him no, when a woman tells him, hey, I'm not interested, a woman communicates her boundaries, because he can't process that experience, he then either stalks her, he then says, hey, like, I wasn't even that interested in you, get the fuck away from me, or turns into this kind of people-pleasing, nice guy thing after a woman tells him no. He's like, well, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to turn this no into a maybe or turn this no into a yes? And um, that's what I mean by it also impacts women when we can't cope with rejection because we then do all these other things, right? So for example, I'm at a club or I'm at the library or I'm just out in public and I'm seeing somebody that I would like to engage with, I would like to interact with or take on on a date or whatever it may be. I express my interests, I express my attraction. And the moment that's not met with reciprocity, I then become one or two other things. I say, okay, I, I can take the actual authentic response and just say, hey, I completely understand. So instead of taking that rejection, just kind of moving forward with my day, I either look at her and say, well, I didn't fucking want your number anyway. Like, uh, you're not even that pretty. You're not even that interesting to talk to. Or I stalk her. I take that rejection, but I have her Instagram and I just watch what she's doing throughout her day. I follow her around. I stay in that library. I stay in that club and just kind of observe her and see how she responds to other men. So I just kind of stalk her in a way. Or I, I end up feeling so pathetic. I end up feeling so unworthy of her attraction. And that leads me to not approach anybody else in the club, not approach anybody else throughout the day, or not express my interest to anyone else that I see that I may, you know, want to take out on a date. I go home I'm immediately or I feel worthless. I feel that I did something wrong or was my hat not cool? Was my hair off? What was happening with me that that made her not reciprocate my attraction? So that's usually how men approach rejection. It's not from the genuine response of just accepting it and moving forward with their day. It's usually one or the other, which always leads women to feel unsafe. And usually most of the times a woman is unsafe is when she's rejecting a man. And it's not even a rejection for her. It's just clearly stating that she's not interested or just expressing her no or expressing her boundaries. And that's, you know, born out of her own choice and freedom and agency to engage with this person in this way to continue this relationship or whatever, take things a step further, whatever it may be. But that's just for her, it's she's not intending to reject. She's just intending to assert herself to honor her own boundaries to just express her lack of interest. When men take that as an attack on themselves, from my observation, it's from this thing that we've been taught to do as a people, but mostly men are taught to do it, is that we are taught to externalize our value. We're taught to externalize our worth. So how we determine whether we're doing really good in life or we're successful is usually by assessing how we're showing up in relation to other people around us and most often relating ourselves to how we're showing up in comparison to other men. So when we're doing this, we're constantly externalizing our value and seeing our value as something 
external, right? Because if I'm making more money than that person that works in the same department as me, then that means I'm probably more competent. I'm probably smarter or whatever it is, right? And if I'm making less money than that person that's in my same field, in my same department, has the same qualifications as me, then that means I'm not worthy of that same pay grade. So it's this thing that we're constantly doing where we're assessing like, okay, how am I, how am I showing up in relation to that person over there? My father, you know, my brothers, my mentors, my people that inspire me the most or the people that I really despise and I think less of, like, how am I showing up in relation to them, right? You know, now I'm either stroking my own ego or pedestaling myself and making myself feel better or I'm making myself feel less than, I'm making myself feel inadequate, right? But beneath that is a space, an ocean of a lack of confidence, a lack of self-worth, because I wouldn't need to evaluate my worth based on who's around me. If I'm centered in myself, if I'm centered in my own worth, then I look at myself and I say, how am I showing up in relation to who I was a year ago? How am I showing up in relation to where I was yesterday or even five years ago? Like that would be a more accurate approach to that, right? That would be, that would actually help me look at things in a more like accurate perspective because from there I can actually see things that are repeating themselves. If I look at myself from a year ago and say like, I'm still struggling with this. So, and this thing is still repeating itself. My relationships kind of still look similar from the ones I had five years ago. And then there I can look at myself and start to clean things up and start to refine things. But also from that place of assessing who I am and my own worth and my own growth, essentially, if I'm also doing that, I can also see where I've really improved because I'm like, whoa, like I'm light years away from that pattern that was caging me or that, that, that mode of thinking that stopped me from approaching this person or stopped me from taking on this job or stopped me from uh, moving forward with this project, whatever it may be, but that is a more accurate way to go about that. But externalizing it leads us, because in a way it helps us, especially as men, because we find a sense of fulfillment by seeing how, by what responsibilities we're assuming in our life, right? And what are we providing to the people around us? And usually that's, you know, that, that person around us is usually our partner or our potential partners. Like, what are we going to bring to them? What are we going to be able to provide? What responsibilities can we assume? So to externalize things in that way helps us kind of get a grip on what things we need to take care of. But when it, when we tend to do it for in an internal process, it leads us to be hyper-competitive, but also leads us to have this inability to process rejection because we see it as a moment of failure. Because that woman is then saying something about me. Her rejection is a reflection of my own worth and value. Because if it wasn't, then why would she reject me? Right? But when we go from the inward outward, rather than the outward inward, when we go from that approach, we see that we take rejection as a moment of reflection. Right? To see that this no helps me within my process of what I'm really looking for, like who's compatible with me, right? So I take that no and I appreciate it and I integrate it. And then I kind of evaluate like, why was that a no? Like, why didn't that work out? 
why wasn't she compatible for me? Why wasn't I compatible for her? And then from there, I can refine myself, right? As a man, I can refine myself and then make myself more attractive in a way to the person that's going to be the one for me or to the job that's going to be the one for me. Even the no or a rejection from a agency or a company that if I don't take it as a hit on my own worth, rather than a moment to reflect on where I can refine, where I can clean up, where I can show up differently, how I can perfect my own skills, from there, rejection really becomes like a catalyst to bettering myself rather than feeling defeated, you know? And I think men really struggle with that to be able to discern between both of those experiences. The other day I was listening to a podcast and it was two guys interviewing Teal Swan. If you haven't heard who Teal Swan is, please go check out her work. She's amazing. She's a brilliant spiritual teacher and they were interviewing her and one of the, both guys were mentioning how they had found her work. And for both of them, it was through heartbreak. But one of the guys especially had an experience that literally changed his whole life, but it had to break him down. And the experience was him being rejected. But for him, it was mostly he was being ghosted. So the woman he was talking to had just stopped communicating, just literally ghosted him. He never heard anything back. And he went through, he mentioned in the podcast that he was in his room. He couldn't do anything. He he didn't even want to drink alcohol. He would usually numb himself with alcohol. But from this experience, he literally just chose to stay locked in his room, cried for six, seven months. And that's how we found Teal Swan's work. And but the interesting part is, is that he also mentioned that he ghosted a lot of women in his life. This was a pattern of his. He would just ghost women. He would just start communicating with them, have a good time, and then just completely disappear. For me, that was interesting. It's because he did that to a lot of women, I bet. But the one time a woman does that to him, he's literally in a tragedy. His heart is broken. He's in his room locked away, rocking back and forth, crying. And for me, that's one thing I think most men don't think about is that we as men reject women all of the time. And women have a different way about moving through that process. But why is that? And I think it's because women don't externalize their value. They see their value more as an internal thing. And I think men have a difficult time doing this because of what I mentioned earlier in the podcast is that we're also taught to do that. And I think women also end up doing that at times when they're in competition with other women because they're assessing their value, they're assessing their worth based on how they're comparing to other women around them rather than seeing it as like, how do I feel within myself, right? How do I feel about my own body? How do I feel about my own beauty? How do I feel about where I'm at in my journey? And I think when we all do that, we have a less tendency to be competitive and we're more likely to be collaborative. We're more likely to honor and respect community and to want to work together, want to see other people, essentially see other people win. You know, we're, we're more inclined to see the world in that way than the other one where it's like, oh, everyone's against me. Oh, this person is, you know, this person's success is eating away at my success. This person's beauty is eating away at my beauty. And then when we can slow down that line of thinking, slow down that way of approaching ourselves and the people around us, I think it helps us 
process and cope with that experience a, a lot more. So now I want to talk about more about how what I mentioned earlier about these qualities that are manifested from this inability to process rejection. And one of the biggest ones is that one man chooses to compensate in one way and the other man chooses to compensate in another way. So one way that most men right now are compensating is from this place of feeling entitled to things, right? So if I say no to somebody or somebody says no to me, right? What's going to happen for me is one or two things. I'm going to feel unworthy of what I asked for, or I'm going to feel more entitled, more aggressive. I'm going to become more hostile because of what I asked for, because I now I feel entitled to that thing, right? Because I'm like, wait, do you not know who I am? Do you not see me? Do you not, what's going on here? Why are you telling me no? Why are you communicating some boundary to me? Do you not understand my value, right? Do you not see my worth? So then that manifests as entitlement. And most men are operating from this space because it's compensating. Because beneath, beneath that space of entitlement is low self-esteem. But instead of confronting that low self-esteem, it's like, well, I don't want anybody to see this. So let me, talk, let me take on this persona. Let me take on this macho man kind of persona to cover up this low self-esteem. And if I do it so aggressively, if I dominate other people in that way, nobody would ever question my self-esteem. Nobody would ever look at who I am beneath all of these things, right? So that level of entitlement shows up in relationships in a very toxic way. I think one of the best examples is Kanye West. There's a popular video of him on, I believe, the Joe Rogan podcast. And he's asking what is the price of the earth? He's like, how much does the earth cost? And he's very serious about it as well. He's, you can tell he actually believes he can buy the earth. If he found out the price of the earth, he feels like at some level, he'd be able to afford it. This is what I mean by that level of entitlement. That's probably the highest you can go. What are you compensating for is really the question, but how entitled do you get from your status, your success, your worth? to where you think you're so valuable, to you think you're so worthy that you can actually put a price on the earth, the planet, and then buy it, and then it can become yours. Now, this same man, how can we, for, for a man to assume that about a planet that literally supports and nurtures him and takes care of him, right? A planet that does that for all of us. How can you think to feel that entitled would also not feel entitled to the people around him, the team that he works with, the artist that he collaborates with, the woman that he chooses to love and take care of. Wouldn't he also have that level of entitlement on her body, on her choices, on her life, if he's doing that with the earth itself? So this is what I mean by when men become successful, right? It's from this, hey, I need to increase my value and worth. Success is allowing me to do that. But this image of success, this image of power is driven by this inability to process rejection because the more powerful I become, the more successful I become, I reduce the risk of rejection because who's going to reject me? I'm powerful. I'm successful. Look at my worth. Look at my value, right? It's externalized. Look at my net worth. Look at how much I make. It's externalized. 
Why would you reject me? How could you reject me? Nobody's going to reject me. This is what's happening in the mind of somebody that's compensating in this way. It's they don't see rejection as a possibility anymore, right? Because again, another image that's projected onto them is that no woman can reject a powerful man. So it's like now this drive for power isn't to be in service to the earth or reach their highest potential. It's to, hey, I need to reduce this possibility of rejection. I need to avoid these experiences that make me question who I am, that lead me to look at my own inadequacy and confront who I believe myself to be versus who I truly am. I don't want to go through that process. That's a little, uh, that requires me to be vulnerable. That requires me to connect to my feelings. That requires me to, you know, take accountability for some of the things I've done in my life. That requires me to resume responsibility. That's, that's not what I'm interested in doing. So how about I overcompensate in this direction, just become overly aggressive, overly dominating, and become hostile to anybody that says no to me, right? That's one way of doing it. That's one way of compensating. And the other way that another group of men do is that, okay, I've just received a no. I've just been told, hey, my attraction to this person isn't reciprocated, isn't mutual. So in order to reduce that risk of another rejection, I can then become the nice guy. I can then people please, I can then overextend myself in such a way that nobody will ever say no to me because I do all the right things. I press all the right buttons, right? So the nice guy really isn't a nice guy. He's just avoiding his own experience of rejection by doing the things that would keep him away from feeling that, keep him away from that experience by being what everybody would like him to be. He's not being himself right? Because that could open him up to the experience of rejection. He's just being who everyone wants him to be. Every woman wants him to be. But no woman wants that either, right? Because it's like, what? This guy is just like overly nice. He's just doing all the right things. But they know within themselves that he's not being authentic. That's the thing. That's why nice guys finish last because it's, they're not authentic. Anyone who's not authentic finishes last. Even assholes finish last. Because when the girls grow out of that need to date the asshole and to learn from that lesson, assholes are left behind. The guy who's overcompensating in that way is left behind because the girl will always, women will always grow out of that pattern. They will always grow out of that desire to be with that kind of guy. So they finish last too. And the nice guys finish last because nobody wants to date somebody that's inauthentic. So the men that actually get the girl are the ones that truly decide to be themselves that openly face the experience of rejection and the reason these kind of men are the ones that get the girl is because when you create an opening for rejection you are okay with that experience you are capable of accepting that experience you create a space within yourself that allows you to generate to develop and embody the qualities that will make you not only safe to yourself, but it makes you safe to other women around you. Because you see how the most unsafe men are the ones that are incapable of processing rejection. They're not safe to anybody. They're more prone to violence. They're more prone to stalk. They're more prone to toxic expressions of masculinity. So the men that 
are open to rejection, are open to that possibility and are okay with it and working through that and aren't afraid of it, those are the men that are going to be capable of being safe to women. Those are the, those are the men that women are going to be attracted to because they sense a degree of safety within them. They sense that they are safe to themselves. They're not going to completely shame themselves for experiencing rejection. They're not going to completely go through a tragedy. They're not going to be a menace to any woman that rejects them, right? They're going to see that experience and accept it and take it as a moment to reflect on who they are. So these set of men are actually addressing their self-esteem from that moment of addressing and reflecting on how do they value themselves? How do they see their worth? They actually develop a healthy and genuine level of confidence. And this confidence is attractive to women. A man that's compensating by being the nice guy or being the entitled asshole isn't actually confident. Like you wouldn't need to compensate in that way if you were actually confident in who you were. So the men that actually find that deep space within themselves where they discover what confidence looks like for them, they discover what confidence represents and what confidence chooses to express as that itself through them. Those are the guys that women are going to be attracted to. Those are the guys that women are going to feel safe around. I think another thing and the last thing is that it's important to see that we're constantly externalizing everything. We're externalizing ourselves. We're externalizing our value. We're externalizing our, our worth. What we also tend to do is that because through this process of externalizing things, we can see the things that are within our control. And as men, we are constantly making sure that the things around us are within our control. And how are we using the things around us that are within our control? But one of the things that we also tend to do is then we think that attraction is within our control. And that leads us to become even more incapable of processing rejection because we thought that we could determine whether that woman was attracted to us or not. We thought that we could determine whether that person would reciprocate our interests or reciprocate our invitation to a friendship, an invitation to a intimacy or invitation to a relationship. We think these things are in our control, but attraction isn't in our control. The only thing that we can control is whether we are in a space to meet somebody that's more likely to be attracted to us. Like what I can control is making sure I go to the library where that's where people that I want to engage with are going to be, right? That's within my control. I need to make sure that I brush my hair or I'm wearing the things that I like to wear that make me feel more confident, right? I'm presenting myself in a way that allows me to feel confident in who I am. That's what I can control. But whether people meet that with interest, with attraction, that is completely outside of my control. So when men think attraction is within their control, they also then tend to buy certain things that they think will help them control that aspect a little bit more, right? So I'm going to buy all the nice jewelry. I'm going to buy all the expensive cars. I'm going to buy a big home. I'm going to make sure I have 100,000 followers because attraction is in my control. So how do I determine, how do I make sure that attraction is reciprocated? By doing all these other things, right? Or even taking on certain personas. Like, oh, she's into, let's say she's into Paramore. I need to listen to Paramore, right? Not from a genuine interest in Paramore, but it's like, because she likes Paramore and attraction is in my control, I need to learn, embody everything that she likes so that that, recipro that reciprocation is, the reciprocation of that attraction is possible. So when we're doing that, when we're, you know, opening ourselves up to relationships, to uh, intimacy, whatever it may be, 
there is a more likelihood of that taking a huge toll on us when we're rejected because we did everything right that we thought we were controlling we thought was in our control and because that retraction wasn't reciprocated it's also a reflection on us it's also a reflection on who we are because it was always in our hands and that is important for men to see is that somebody expressing interest attraction and reciprocating that is completely outside of your control Nothing you can do can determine whether somebody likes you or not, wants to move forward with a relationship or not, wants to stay with you forever. That's not something you can control. You know, people are prone to change. People are sometimes not compatible. It's that experience that we need to, it's that awareness that we need to integrate a bit more into the dating space, into uh, the workspace as well. Even opening ourselves to jobs and, you know, places that we want to work out is that We can't determine if a job meets us with interest and excitement. It's just we can can determine if we're going to be excited about that job, that we're going to be there, that we're going to show up every day, we're going to put in the hours, that we're going to make sure that we have the qualifications and the skills needed to hopefully, right, hopefully and trusting that everything that we do on our end, the other other things will take care of themselves. And that's the the things that, that we have to notice is that we take care of what we can and it allowed everything else to unfold in, in its own time, you know? So I trust that helped. And anyone that was listening, um, take some time to kind of sit with that. And especially for men to kind of understand where these expressions, behaviors and patterns are really coming from. And that's from this lack of confidence, this lack of self-esteem. And if you can't see it in yourself, just kind of look at men around you. Like look at men that you are probably influenced by men that you praised or have praised or that, you know, you actually respect. Look where men are compensating. That can bring you to see it in yourself and how you may be compensating in other ways and how to see it in yourself and how confidence generally wants to express itself through you. And authentically, what is authentic for you as a man to be confident, to know your worth, know your value. How does that authentically express itself through you? Thank you for joining me for this episode. Thank you so much. I will be releasing an episode every week. So please look forward to that. Have a beautiful day. Have a beautiful evening if it's nighttime where you are. And I'll see you on the next one. Peace.